Now turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 39. The passage that Brother Teddy so eloquently read a moment ago. And hold your finger there and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. <clears throat> Through the years there have been many people used by God. In Matthew 12, 26, the scripture says, If any man will serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there will also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. I want to look at some reasons why God was able to use the young man, Joseph. There are two men in the Old Testament that were more like Jesus than any other two men. Two men about whom there was no criticism whatsoever. One was Joseph, the other was Daniel. Those two men lived spotless lives before the Lord, and God used them to touch lives all through the ages. Daniel was that man who was taken captive when he was a young boy. He had already been saved, given his life to the Lord in Jerusalem. He was taken to Babylon, and he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so ordered their lives that they would not deal with the king's wine nor his dainties, and uh, they became great in the kingdom. We know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they went through the fiery furnace. The king looked in and said, I thought we threw th three in there, and now there are four, and he looks like the son of the gods. That's best he can give an estimate of who that was, since he was a pagan, but really that was Jesus in that fire. Now, Daniel lived to be about 95 or 98 years old. And he preached the gospel in Babylon. And you remember Babylon was overthrown by Persia. And so he preached the gospel in Persia. We read a little bit about this, the hint of it, years later. On that starlit night. When God sent forth his son. Three men. Or four or five or ten, we don't know how many. Came from the Persian Babylonian area. And they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They had read about it in Daniel. They had studied about it in Daniel. And they come to worship the king. Now that's Daniel. Joseph is a precious man and you can hardly read the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis without some tears. And I want to point out several reasons why God was able to use people. I read a story this week about Abraham Lincoln. They said the reason, it was Denville Miller that wrote this, and he said the reason God could use him in the crisis time in America, number one, he overcame his early life. He was born in a log cabin. His um, mother died and had trouble, learned to read, maybe had a third or fourth grade education in the early life, but he had a will to go on, and he overcame all that and went on. Number two, he knew how to work. He had a big work ethic. I don't believe God puts a premium on laziness. We need to work. Work for the night is coming when men can work no more. Number three, he was honest. The story is told about his walking six miles to give the correct change to a man who had given him six cents too much. He was an honest man. 
He had a burden for the suffering, and we mentioned this in Sunday school. He went down to Mississippi, down the Mississippi uh, Natchez Trace, and went to New Orleans, and for the first time in his life, he saw a man being auctioned and being sold to another man. This was never right. No one can own another human being. And he said in his heart, if I can do anything about this, I'm going to. And later he was elevated to be a president and by executive order, he issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Thank God for that. Again, he uh, knew that he had an aim for his life. He had a purpose and goal. Everybody ought to have a goal for life. What does God want you to do? Get that goal clearly in mind. He dealt with temptations the Bible way. He had convictions about truth, biblical truth. He uh, set an example for a nation by his own personal faith in the Lord and was not ashamed to talk about it. You go to Washington today to see the Lincoln Memorial, you'll see the name of God and Creator all through there. What a shame that we now say that's illegal. What a shame. We have not learned the lessons of the past. He was a part of everybody's life. And he knew how to pray. The story is told about his prayer life. He came during the war. <clears throat> and they said, uh, we've had 10 men who have gone AWOL from the Union Army. Now we need to put them before a firing squad and kill them. And Abraham Lincoln said to his cabinet, I want to go pray. And he prayed and he came back and he said, there's been enough bloodshed in this war. We're not going to add to it. We'll forgive them. Amen. That's the kind of man Abraham Lincoln was. God could use him because of that. I think of reasons why God was able to use D.L. Moody. Yesterday was his birthday. Born on, on uh, February the 5th, 1837. Taken in death on December 22nd, 1899. R.A. Torrey wrote this about his life. He said, Moody was able to be used by God, number one, because he was fully surrendered man. Number two, he was a man of prayer. Number three, he had a deep practical study of the Word of God. Number four, he was entirely free from the love of money. Number five, he was a humble man. Number six, he was a man with a consuming passion for the lost. Number seven, he was endued with power from on high. Thank God for D.L. Moody. Thank God for Abraham Lincoln. And thank God for Joseph. And I want to give you maybe five or six, seven reasons, as time permits, why God was able to use Joseph. Number one, he was able to overcome his past. Turn your Bible back to chapter 30 a moment, Genesis 30, and look at something. There's a very interesting passage. In chapter 30, And Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children. Rachel envied her sister and said, Give me my children or else I'll die. 
Jacob's anger was kindled against Jacob. Now, Rachel, he said, am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? She said, behold, my maid, Billa, going unto her. Now, that's just a symbol of what was happening. He wanted Rebecca. He wanted her, I mean Rachel. He wanted her as his wife. He got Leah instead. So now he has two wives. And Leah has some sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And then she can't bear any more. So she gives her handmaid, Billa. And she has Dan and Nephtali. And then he takes Zilpah. And Zilpah has Asher and Gad. And then Rachel bears two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Now you're talking about a mixed up family. You think of that, 12 sons by different mother, different fathers, and, and uh, different mothers rather. And uh, they must have squabbled and quarreled and so on. And they were all envious of Joseph. Now, some have uh, complained about Joseph and said, well, he was a man that told about his dreams and so on. Well, I'm glad he did. Those dreams came to pass. I don't level one bit of criticism at Joseph for that. And he was loved by his father. The reason I think he was so loved by his father is because his father really wanted Joseph's mother more than anybody else. And he loved her. And finally, God in mercy opened her womb. And in those days, he was an old man now, and he loved Joseph. If there is any complaint whatsoever, it might be that Jacob favored Joseph and Benjamin. And that's all, always a problem in a family. But in a family like this with different mothers and, 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 and different family backgrounds and so on, and then all of them trying to live there together was tough. But Joseph was able to overcome that. There are a lot of people that live under the problems of the past. I've had people talk to me and they blame everything that's happened to them on their mother or on their daddy or on some school they went to or some problem they had in society or some old bully that came along or somebody who sexually abused them or somebody that verbally abused them and they just say, well, I'm like I am because of that. If anybody had a reason to have that kind of attitude, Joseph did, but he didn't have it. He overcame his past. And I want to ask you today, everybody here has a past. Everybody, no, no exception. Everybody here has been hurt by somebody. Everybody here has hurt somebody. Forgetting the things that are past, I press on. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And I want to tell you, God will use the man who can overcome his past and not live under the circumstances of life. Don't do it. Somebody said, well, I was abused. Give it to God. If God can't help you with that, who can? A psychiatrist is not going to help you. Psychologist isn't going to help you. 
Living with it all your life isn't going to help you. Give it to the Lord. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. And then remember what they did to Jesus. They tried to kill him when he was a little baby. They tried to stone him in his ministry. Finally, they crucified him and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our eternal emblem and symbol and the one that we want to be like is Jesus. So let's take it to Jesus and leave it with him. Joseph was able to overcome his past. Number two, Joseph dreamed dreams. Look in chapter 37 a moment. Genesis 37, beginning at verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. They hated him yet the more. He said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. And he told about uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing before Joseph. Now I'm sure that as Joseph told that dream, he had no idea what it meant. You ever dreamed a dream and not knowing what it meant? Have you ever had God speak to your heart and say, do a certain thing, and you had no idea where it would lead to? Well, Joseph told his dream. He was an open kind of person. I don't think you would call him inhabited. He was an open person. He dreamed dreams. Now, folks and young people and older people, the Bible says the young men shall see visions and the old men shall dream dreams. Well, it can be either way. Joseph was a young man when he dreamed these dreams. And he dreamed that one day his father and his brothers would kneel down before him. What a strange dream. They hated him the more. And so he was, the next thing we want to mention, he was his brother's keeper. And when things were not going so good, Jacob said, Joseph, I want you to go out to the front, find your, your brothers and give them something to eat. Well, he went out there innocently. He had no idea of their animosity and hatred of him. And when they saw him coming a great way off, they made a plan. We're going to kill him and put him in a ditch. And one of the brothers said, no, let's not do that. Uh, here comes some Midians and let's sell him to the Midianites as a slave and we'll dip his coat of many colors in blood and we'll tell his father, is this your son's coat, the coat of many colors? And, and daddy will understand that he's been eaten by a wild beast. That was the brothers. Joseph was concerned about his brothers. I think of Mrs. Elliot. She, her husband, one of the AUKUS, one of the missionaries who went to the AUKUS. Indians back in 1955. And they had prayed and pled with God somehow to have a gospel breakthrough to the AUKUS. And they flew over and gave gifts and so on. And finally, they decided on a certain day, we'll land on the beach. They landed on the beach. And all five of those missionaries were killed by the AUKUS Indians. The missionary wives came back to the States, some of them brokenhearted and so on. Mrs. Elliott said, I'm going back. She went back to that area near the compound of the AUKUS Indians. One day she was out in the woods and she saw a young girl named Dayuma. 
and the human was lost, didn't know how to get anywhere. And Ms. Elliot brought her back into the mission compound, loved her, gave her food and clothes, and was able to communicate the gospel to her, and Dayuma received Christ. She came here to the States, went around different places giving her testimony. Here was the daughter of one of the AUKUS Indians that had killed the missionaries, and bigger crowds came. And then Ms. Elliot said to Dayuma, it's time to go back now. They went back. Ms. Elliot led her through the woods to just within a stone's throw of the AUKUS compound. And Dayuma went back. The girl that had been lost for so long. They were excited, thrilled. And Dayuma began to tell them about Jesus. And she said, I know somebody that can tell you what I, how I got what I got. And they sent for her. And the wife of that missionary went back to the AUKUS Indians and won the man that had killed her husband. Amen. Joseph knew how to do that. They sold him into slavery. But instead of getting so upset and mad about it and saying, I'm going to get even one of these days, Joseph welcomed them when they came to Egypt to buy food. Now, Joseph had a vital relationship to the Lord. He had to, to do what happened in Genesis chapter 39. When he got to Egypt, he was uh, sold to Potiphar. Now here's a human being being sold, sold to Potiphar as a slave. And he took care, he, he was a slave in the house. And uh, Potiphar noticed that everything he did turned to gold. Everything he did seemed like God prospered it. And uh, so finally he became the Lord of the whole home. Everything in the house was under his direction. But Mrs. Potiphar was a conniving woman. Dr. Criswell calls her an old shrew. She had no convictions whatsoever. She said to Joel, you come and lie with me. And I want you to notice the kind of vital relationship Joseph had. Look in Genesis chapter 22, verse two. I mean, verse, chapter 39, verse two. And the Lord was with Joseph. He was a prosperous man. and He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Then look in verse nine. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Amen. Not just against you, not just against Mr. Potiphar, but against God. He had a vital relationship with the Lord that kept him in times of temptation. You're going to meet people today <clears throat> who, will try, <clears throat> who will try to get you off their, off their spiritual pedestal and live like the world is living. You want to know how the world is living? Just watch television. Go to the movies. Anything counts today. Anything is all right. Sow your wild oats. Be whatever you want to be. Live together without getting married. Have premarital sex. High school kids use condoms. And all that trash right from the pit of hell coming through our government. 
Joseph had a vital relationship with God. He said, I can't do this because it's against God. What kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? Is it just secondhand? Is it because mom or dad taught you better or you came to church and you heard somebody preach against it or something? I heard a girl say one time, well, I don't dance because my church says not to dance. Well, that's a poor reason. If that girl didn't have any better convictions than that, what's she gonna do when she quits going to church? She'll go to dancing again. I wanna tell you, you have to have convictions that are as deep as life itself. So you die for them and be what God wants you to be. Joseph had those kind of convictions. How can I do this wicked thing in God's sight? Let me give you something else. Look in Genesis chapter 50. We're nearing the end of Joseph's life. Beginning in verse 18. And his brethren also went and fell down before Joseph's face and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear you not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This is Joseph, whose brothers hated. They sold him into slavery. They did every dastardly thing against Joseph they could. And now Jacob's dead. And their brothers are scared to death that Joseph will bring enmity and revenge upon them. And some of the most eloquent words anywhere in the Bible are right here, where Joseph said, don't be afraid. You thought it for evil, but God thought it for good. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Have you had some disappointment in life? You've had some deep sorrow, some deep problem, some decision that you had a hard time meeting and, and taking care of. You had financial pressures all around you. The squeeze might have meant it for evil. Sometimes we interpret it that way. But God says, I'll work it out together for good. I'll take care of you. Now, if you want to take care of yourself, I'll just stand by and let you do it. But if you want me to take care of you, you get in the mainstream, onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And keep in mind whose we are, whose servant we are, who is the captain of our salvation, the one who said, be not afraid, I'll be with you. Last of all, Joseph was a pointer to Jesus. Now look at the last verse of this Genesis chapter 50. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis begins in the beginning God created. It ends in a coffin in Egypt. But for 400 years that coffin remained in Egypt. And every time the Israelites would look at that they remembered what Joseph said in verse 25. God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from hence. There's coming a better day. There's coming a wonderful day. God is not finished with history. 
with just the special problem that you've had, there's something better coming. And all through those 400 years, the Israelites of faith would see that casket. And they'd say, that's where Joseph's bones are. And he told us one day we'd be visited by God and we would take his bones back. A hundred years went by. Another hundred years, another hundred years. And some skeptics said, well, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. And then God said, Moses, you go down there and lead my people out of Israel, out of, out of Egypt, in, back to the homeland. And he did it. And the scripture is careful to say in the book of Exodus, they carried the bones of Joseph back. Now, all during those years, they were expecting something to happen. Folks, you and I are expecting something to happen. I don't know the day or the hour, but Jesus is going to come. And won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear, joy bells all ringing, and heaven's gates open. We're going to have a great time over there. But it's only for those who put their faith in Jesus. Friend, Joseph was a man who put his faith in Jesus. Have you done that? Have you allowed Christ to come into your heart and be your personal Savior? Are you somebody God could use? Or do you have animosity in your heart? You have hatred in your heart. You have a get-even policy. Or you've never put your faith in the one who died on the cross for your sins and mine. I don't believe you can live too close to the Lord. We're living in a day of loose living. Anything counts. Anything you want to do is all right. And we go to church on Sunday, sort of routine. Family wants us to go, so we go. Bus pastor comes by and pleads with us to go. We come on Saturday and somebody offers you a hamburger to come and so on. I have no problem with that, but I want to tell you, if you will serve God because of a conviction in your heart, if you'll give your life to the Lord because of a conviction in your soul, God can use you. Any man that serves me, Jesus said, my father will honor him. You think of being honored by the Lord. I plead with you today, offer your life to him. Jesus died on a cross for my sins, your sins. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. From the throne of his cross, the king of grief cries out to a world of unbelief. O men and women afar and nigh, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Jesus, Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is alive today. Thank you you died on a cross for our sins. But beyond the cross, there's an empty grave. We thank you that he's alive and he lives right here in this room in our hearts. We pray that somebody who has never received him today will open his heart to Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand, please. What page is that? 348. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home. Now listen to God's invitation. This is not my invitation, it's God's. Listen carefully. If you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, you're not positive beyond the shadow of a doubt, why not come to him right now? 
I'm going to leave you standing down here at the front. I'd like to invite you to come and give your heart to Christ. If you are saved, are you the kind of young man or young woman that God could use? You could hear his secrets revealed to you and you could go on with God. I urge you to commit your life and your time and talents and everything about you to Jesus. If God is leading you to become part of our church, you come. While we sing, while we pray, will you come?